0: I never knew that disambiguate was a word, but apparently in Wikipedia it is, and this is a really good way to disambiguate two parts of our New Testament, namely John the Gospel and his opening, and John the Epistle. Same guy, one's a letter, one's a biography. I love that I'm hearing the flipping of pages, because that means you've got real Bibles in front of you but if you don't and you would like one I can see the lovely Debbie Webster's handing them out just in case, no? Good. So John as in the Gospel of John beginning chapter 1 verse 1 through 18 In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God He was with God in the beginning 18. Now we turn, later on in our Bibles, to 1 John, the epistle, uh, which is our sermon passage for tonight. We're actually starting a new sermon series in the letter of 1 John. I'm going to read from 1 verse 1 through to 2 verse 2. You all there? Excellent. 1 John, beginning. That... We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening everyone, it's uh, great to, uh, to be with you tonight and, and uh, opening up this part of God's Word. As um, Ben said, we are starting a new series in 1 John. Um, I thought it'd be good to have a reading of John 1 as well, just to see the, the parallels, to see the, the overlap and the, the connections between uh, both of those chapters. Let me check that I've got the power here. Here we go. Yes, excellent. All right. Uh, let's pray uh, as we come to uh, focus on this part of God's Word. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. And we ask that you'd help us now as uh, we dig into this part of 1 John. And we ask that you'd give us understanding. And we ask that you give us hearts ready to respond to you. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is a show on TV at the moment called Alone. Um, Who has, uh, hands up, who's who's aware of this, has seen this, a few people have. It's a little bit, you know, kind of niche-y, a bit weird maybe for people who like outdoors and hiking and things like that, like me. Um, It's a survival show, just to fill you in. It's it's a competition uh, between 10 competitors to see which of them can survive the longest. That picture is actually quite strange because there's 10 people together and together is the absolute opposite of alone. Um, it's alone. You know, I'll go to the next one. There we are. Ten of them are, are placed in, by themselves in uh, ten different locations, um, and the competition is to see which of them can survive the longest. The show's been um, uh, made in, in various parts of the world. Uh, the most recent sh- uh, one is set in uh, a remote part of Tasmania. Uh, they're each dropped off and they have 10 items that they've chosen from a list of allowable items things like a sleeping bag a tarp some fish hooks uh, uh, a flint to start a fire that sort of stuff uh, uh, and they have to to build their own shelter they have to uh, uh, gather and hunt gather their own food they have to film themselves doing it all and they have to do it for as long as possible until they give up and tap out by Phoning on a satellite phone to say, come pick me up. The last person standing wins $250,000. Now, the, the challenge is, well, it's challenging in lots of ways. Um, I mean, sleeping rough in the wet and the cold, um, the difficulty of sourcing food and the inevitable hunger and slow starvation that results from not having enough food. But the biggest and most difficult challenge for most, if not all of them, is being alone. Uh, some of them barely last two days before the the desire for connection with their family kind of gets the better of them and they tap out Um, others they succeed in building amazing infrastructure and securing food sources and you kind of think well gee they could seemingly just live there indefinitely but they can't because they can't handle being alone which of course makes sense and it makes sense given the reality that, that we're actually made for relationship, that we're made for fellowship together. Um, I, I expect we, we know that. We know that just intrinsically, that we're, we're built for relationship with one another, whether we, we know and enjoy the connections and relationships that we have, or maybe on the flip side, whether we, we grieve and suffer the broken relationships or the isolation that we feel. Uh, and I mean, in our increasingly connected An overly connected world, ironically, isolation and and loneliness is all too common. We're made for connection, for, for relationship. We're made for fellowship, fundamentally for fellowship with God, our Creator, but also fellowship with one another. So how can we have true fellowship? Well, this chapter before us tonight from 1 John addresses this question. John writes this letter so that his readers can have fellowship with God and with one another. Now, this chapter doesn't address all our uh, relational issues, all our felt needs for connection and fellowship, but it does lay a a crucial foundation, one that sets us on the path to to real life, to truth and to fellowship. So look with me. Uh, 1 John begins in uh, an unusual way for a New Testament letter. Uh, you might notice as you read through the New Testaments, letters typically start with who it's to, who it's from, and a greeting. We don't have this here. John just launches into, into the heart of what he wants to say, and he starts with this, this big, long, somewhat jumbled-up sentence which can, can take a few reads to unpack and digest what he's saying. although Ben did read it uh, very helpfully for us. At the heart of it, John is answering the question: How can we have true fellowship? that's what he wants for his readers and so in verse 3 he says there we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ John says we have fellowship with God the father and the son and we want you to have that fellowship with us which means you'll also have that fellowship with God the father and God the son John wants that for his readers God's Word wants that for us. I wonder if you think of yourself as having fellowship with God. That's something we can have. How? Well, verse 3 says it comes through the proclamation of what, of what John has seen and heard. That is, John has, has been a witness so verse 1 speaks of of that which um, which we have heard which we've seen with our eyes which we've looked at and our hands have touched seeing hearing touching that is john has well he's witnessed something that he then testifies about he tells people he proclaims now it's like if um if king charles walked through the door of our church tonight we could see him, we could hear him, we could touch him if that's allowed, I don't know if it is allowed or not. But, um, and then we could go out and we could testify about the fact that King Charles has come to our church tonight. We could tell our fa- friends, our family, probably the media as well, King Charles appeared at our church this evening. Well, what's John witnessed? Well, he's witnessed a far more significant appearing. Verse 1, he says, that which there we are, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it, we've testified to it, we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And what John has, has seen, has touched, has testified to, what he's witnessed, what he's proclaimed is notice there the appearing of the of the word of life the life the eternal life the, that which was from the beginning which was with the father and has appeared to us john is talking about about jesus the eternal word of life who was with the father from the beginning from all eternity and who has appeared to us god has broken into this world the, the eternal realm of god has entered into our existence, has come in time and space as the man Jesus. The one that whom John and his fellow apostles heard with their ears, who saw with their eyes, who touched with their hands and and then testified to whoever would listen. But notice Jesus is not just merely described as the man Jesus, but as the word of life. The life, the eternal life, in the appearing of Jesus, life has appeared. Eternal life, life from the Father is revealed, which brings fellowship. But notice it's not just fellowship for those who were there, who heard, who saw, who touched Jesus. I mean, that makes sense. If they were there with Jesus, they could say, well, we have fellowship, we have relationship with Jesus. We're with him. We saw him. We touched him. We heard him. No, it's more than that that message of the word of life is is then proclaimed to others so that they too are brought into that fellowship with the father and the son the way to have true fellowship with god is through hearing the message of the appearing of the word of life it's through god making himself known i mean just like you can't really know me and have fellowship relationship with me unless I choose to to make myself known to you unless I reveal to you who I am what I'm like you can't have fellowship with me unless I do that in the same way we can't know God we can't have fellowship with God unless he makes himself known to us unless he reveals himself to us which John testifies God has done God has done through the one whom John heard, saw, touched and then proclaimed. See, if we'd been there in first century Judea, we too could have seen and heard and touched Jesus. We could have had some things about Jesus revealed to us through that experience I wonder if you ever think, gee, if only, I'd, if only I'd been there in the first century in Judea, if only I'd been able to, you know, if I could see Jesus, if I could hear Jesus, if I could, you know, reach out and touch him, that would make it so much easier to, to believe. If only I'd been there. You realise that's not, that's not true. It's not the case. So many of those who were there, who saw, who heard, who touched him, didn't believe. They were blind to who he is. So many of them didn't get it they they didn't believe and actually you know what far better than being there and having sort of our own partial first-hand experience of some aspects of jesus life and teaching we have in our hands the full complete sufficient testimony from jesus through his spirit enabled uh, witnesses they're the ones who proclaim to us through the scriptures what they saw, what they heard, so that we can have fellowship together with them and together with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We can have fellowship with God through the message of the appearing of the Word of Life. Friends, that is great news. It might be familiar news. If, you've been, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, that might be familiar, but that is great news. God has broken into this world through the appearing of the Word of Life so that we can have fellowship With him but of course as we hear about this fellowship with God it's it's not long before we encounter a problem or really a number of problems and maybe you're already thinking that as you entertain the idea of fellowship with God there are a number of obstacles to fellowship with God see the the message John uh, the witness to the word of life declares is is there in verse 5 he says this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you here it is here's the message from god we're declaring to you god is light in him there is no darkness at all here's the revelation from god about god god is light what does that mean well it means he's not darkness you think okay fair enough it says in him there is no darkness at all that is helpful because light and darkness Cannot coexist. God is light; therefore, he is not darkness. And and the verses that follow actually unpack well. What does darkness represent? Well, it's connected with with lies. It's connected with sin. Verse six says, uh, "If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth." Verse seven says, "If we walk in the light, then our sin is purified by the blood of Jesus." So, on the one hand, we have we have uh, light, we have fellowship with God, we have living out the truth, we have fellowship with one another, we have purity. And on the other, we have darkness, walking in the darkness, lying, sin. So the, obst- uh, the obvious obstacle to fellowship with God, with light, with truth, with purity, the obstacle is walking in darkness, in lies, in, in sin. Which is something we are all prone to because we all sin. I mean, none of us can say, I am light, in me there is no darkness at all. You know, the, the, the darkness of our own sin, that's an obstacle to fellowship with God, who is light. He is light, in him there is no darkness at all. And, and this obstacle can lead to another, well, I guess a false path, namely the deception of claiming to be without sin. Verse 8 calls this out, it says there, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How common this is. As the reality of, of God is, is ignored or suppressed, well then the human state can be, can be redefined. No longer as, as sinfully rebelling against our creator God, but as, well, just a, you know, kind of a bit misaligned or misinformed or unenlightened or just just in need of better education or in need of liberation from the oppressive tyranny of tradition and authority and our world is frantically trying to redefine reality in order to claim that sin does not exist that we are without sin or a second related but slightly different uh, false path is not not to deny that sin exists but to claim that we ourselves have not sinned and so verse 10 says if we claim to that we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us if God's word tells us that we have sinned we claim we haven't sinned well, we're in effect calling God a liar and the extent of this kind of self-deception that goes on is in, in this world is, is astounding But you know it's not just out there in the world, it's also in our own hearts, in our own lives. I mean, no one would say that they're perfect, right? Except maybe the complete through-and-through through narcissist, but no one would say they're perfect, and yet we, we minimise, we, we downplay the extent of the seriousness of the problem, that there, there, is, there is darkness in us, there is sin, there is self-deception. And yet God's Word announces proclaims this message of life, of light, of truth, of fellowship. So how does, how does this come together? Well, despite these obstacles, despite the, these false paths, there, there is a way to true fellowship with God and with one another. There is a way that has broken into this world and been announced to this world. Firstly, it's to, to walk in the light. John says, uh, negatively, verse 6, if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves the truth is not in us but positively verse 7 he says but if we walk in the light uh, as uh, as he is in the light we have fellowship notice it says with one another we would expect it to say we would have fellowship with the father uh, but that fellowship overflows to one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin if we walk In the light that is if we walk in fellowship with god if we walk in his ways we we live life seeking to follow god seeking to live in the light of his ways then rather than the the murky darkness of our sin being an an obstacle to our fellowship with god the, the one who is light no instead we are cleansed washed of the darkness of our sin by the blood of jesus he purifies us from all sin You notice, it doesn't say, if you walk in the light, then you won't have any sin anymore. This isn't an expectation of of a sinless life, life without sin, so that, well, then you can start having fellowship with God who is light. No, it's a call to walk with God and receive the washing, the cleansing, the purifying from your sin. So whether or not we have fellowship with God is is not dependent on whether or not we sin, because we all sin. Now, the way to have true fellowship with God is, firstly, to walk in the light, to embrace the light of living God's way. But notice also, at its heart, true fellowship with God comes as we, secondly, confess our sins, as the passage goes on to say. And so the way of darkness, verse 8, is uh, to, to, to claim to be without sin, to deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But the way of light, verse 9, is to confess our sins to admit the the reality of our sin, that that we've not acknowledged God as we ought, that we've we've not regarded him as we should, we've not obeyed him as we should, that we actually are in need of his forgiveness. And if we confess our sins, admit that, well, notice the glorious promise of verse 9 as it continues. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will puri- uh, forgive, sorry, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is, if we confess our sins, the darkness of our sin will be washed away. Friends, we are made for relationship with God, for for fellowship with God, and with one another. And despite our own sinful tendency to turn from God to to break that fellowship. God in his mercy has shone into the darkness. The word of life appeared in Jesus, the Son of God, and he dealt with our sin through his death on the cross, bringing us forgiveness, cleansing, fellowship with God and with one another. So the way to have fellowship with God is to not deny our sin, to not pretend that we're not sinful, to not deceive ourselves in that way, but to rather confess our sins and be forgiven and purified. Now, if you're a Christian, which I take it is probably the case for, for most people here, you know this. But I want to say, let this sink in. Be refreshed by this wonderful truth. I wonder if sometimes perhaps our problem is not that we, we downplay our, our sin, but that we downplay the promise of forgiveness and cleansing from our sin maybe we're maybe we're aware of our shortcomings we're aware of our inadequacies maybe as you sit there tonight and you hear me talk about sin there's, there's that thing that you're just thinking about that yeah you you really do stuff up and you fail maybe you're aware of that and and we realize our failure to meet our own expectations let alone god's and i wonder if sometimes we we subconsciously project how we see ourselves onto god and think well that that must be how he sees us too. If that's your tendency, I you want to say listen to the word of God because it doesn't say if we confess our sins, he will agree that we're sinful and confirm us in our unrighteousness. It doesn't say that, does it? It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means we can, we can rest forgiven, cleansed, secure in relationship with God. We have fellowship with Him. Now, that doesn't mean we swing to the other extreme and have a blase attitude about sin and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I sin, I get forgiven, cool. No, no, no. John writes 2 verse 1, he says, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. I mean, walking in the light, well, that means we we strive to not sin. We strive to live God's way, but but if and when we do sin, we rest secure, knowing that our sin has been forgiven, knowing that as John continues in verse 1, but if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Oops, sorry, gone too far. We strive to not sin. To to walk in the light is to strive to not sin. But we, we rest secure knowing that Jesus has achieved our forgiveness. That He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is our advocate with the Father. So by way of implication, firstly, do you have fellowship with God? Do you have fellowship with God? God has entered into this world. The word of life has appeared. The light has shone into the darkness. Have you embraced that reality? Have you confessed your sins and turned to walk in the light? If so, you have fellowship with God. Rest and rejoice in that reality. If you haven't yet embraced the reality that God has entered into this world, that he calls on you to confess your sins, to turn to him, to walk in the light, I want to say, what are you waiting for? The the promise is held out to you. God will forgive you and purify you and welcome you into relationship with him. Why don't you make today, tonight... The, the night that you, that you start walking in the light, in fellowship with God. Secondly, if we have fellowship with God, well, that means we also have fellowship with one another. You see, sin is, sin is isolating. Darkness is isolating. Because if in my sinfulness, I, I, I try to, to dethrone God, I, I put the crown on my own head to use that image, I rule my little part of my world. Well, that's going to seriously jeopardise my relationship with you. Unless you also acknowledge that I rule this part of my little world that you happen to also be in. Sin is isolating. Sin is destructive. Sin breaks fellowship. But if we both walk in the light, acknowledging and embracing that God is light, confessing our sins... Turning away from our sin, receiving God's forgiveness, then that frees us to be able to relate to each other as, well, as fellow forgiven children of God. And so instead of requiring you to align with, with my sinful need to, to rule life around me, as fellow servants of the true King of God and as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we have actually a profound unity and a freedom to relate to one another rightly. Of course, we don't always do that perfectly. We, we do sin against God and against one another. But praise God, Jesus has come. He's paved the way for forgiveness. He's paved the way for restored fellowship with God and with one another. I think a third implication, that this fellowship that we have with God, with one another, this fellowship means that we, we pass it on. We're not like John in that we're not not eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus, but we share in that same fellowship of spreading that message of the appearing of the word of life, news that, that is going out to people throughout the world, that God has broken into this world, that the light has shone into the darkness. And we have a part to play in proclaiming that news so that others like us can come to have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Let's pray that God would help us to walk in the light of this fellowship and that we would give ourselves to see others do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you've not left us in the darkness of our sin, the darkness of of this world in rebellion against you. Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son into this world, that the, the word of life has appeared. Thank you for giving us the testimony about him that we can know you, that we can walk with you. Father, lead us to repent of our sin, to confess it, to not not deny it, to not deceive ourselves, but to humbly admit that we have sinned and, and to seek your forgiveness. Our Father, we thank and praise you that you promise to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But Father, please lead us to walk in the light, the light of fellowship with you as our God and with one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And enable us and use us to hold out this news to a world that so desperately needs it. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.